Thanks for listening to the Shellheads podcast. This time around, we dive back into the original Mirage run of comics. Uh, We talk about some early stuff between issues 8 and 11. This covers some odds and ends, but most importantly, their trip to Northampton. We hope you enjoy, and don't forget to subscribe. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Shellheads podcast. I am your host, Sergio. I am across from your host, Jeff. I'm not other Sergio? No, no. I'm no. other Jeff. Oh, no. Yes. Wait, who am I? You're, you're Jeff. Wait. You, okay. I'm Jeff. <laughs> My name's Jeff. <laughs> My name's... I'm Jeff. Uh, okay, yeah. Shellheads. It's a Reality Breaches podcast where we talk about Ninja Turtles. Let's see. What, what, we, last time we talked about Michelangelo. Yes. That one went well. I enjoyed it. I did too. This time, we are going to talk about Mirage Comics again. Uh, previously, uh, in our very in- inaugural episode, we talked about the first issue. Then later on, we talked about the issues that are right after that, like two through, what, seven? seven? Two through seven and, yeah. a, and, and one of the one-shots. Yeah. This time around, we are going to cover what is uh, basically the next chunk of books, chronologically speaking. And I guess for the easiest way to reference this is if you're familiar with the the IDW reprints of the Ninja Turtles uh, comics, whether they be the, the color classics or the ultimate collections, they're covering about eight books in each trade or, or each um hardback we're gonna do ultimate collection volume two this covers the michelangelo one uh, one issue micro series issue number eight the donatello one issue micro series number nine the leonardo one issue micro series 10 and 11 so what is that that's seven books before we jump into that let's talk about some news what was announced this week uh the ninja turtles and power rangers crossover that is correct comic comic which is really cool. It's not the first time the Turtles have crossed over with the Power Rangers. No. Hopefully it's the first good time. I hope so, too. I'm, I'm hoping for, you know, Ninja, Ninja, Ninja Turtles awards and maybe some outfits. That would be cool. I don't know. That would be kind of too reminiscent of the, of the Batman crossover for me. Yeah, but this would be different. They'd have like a whole, they'd have giant robot, you know, it's the, you want a turtle driving a mech, is what you're saying. They did it in the um, season eight of uh, the original show. The original show, yeah. Did they? Yeah, Cyber Turtles. They were like suits. and uh, Those were weren't like, mechs, though. Yeah, well, they grew into giant. Did they? Yeah, it was oh, pretty fun. I, I don't I remember that. that episode. I think that was around when Power Rangers was out. Yeah. And so I think it was like, oh, hey. We can steal that. Yeah. <laughs> And it was fun. Well, uh, since that that, that that run isn't going to be in in canon for anything, I don't believe because it's it's going to be published by Boom. Yeah, which is weird. It's the first time Boom has ever published yeah. a Turtles comic. Um, They've been doing really well with their Power Ranger stuff. Like it's been really really good. Yeah, uh, because 
because that's going to be a complete offshoot that's not connected to anything except for the Power Rangers, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to cover it before yep. we cover any of the, you know, well, not before we cover any of the IDW stuff, but mm-hmm. it's not like we have to wait to get to it chronologically in right. the story. We're just going to cover it. So after whatever the fifth issue or the fourth issue is, we will go ahead and, 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 and talk about that on here so yeah. we can keep up to date, Jeff. Yeah, it sounds good. Is, is it, would that be another emergency podcast? Yes. Yes, it would. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Channel 6 breaking news. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, is, has there been any other like breaking news? I don't think so. Not that I'm aware of. Oh, yes. Actually, there's a fifth turtle again. There's what? There's a fifth turtle again. Yeah. 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 Uh, if anyone's following the IDW series, Jenica or Jenny, as she is, as she's called in the in the book, she got mutated into a, a ninja turtle. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was kind of all over the internet before I even had a chance to read it. Yeah. Uh, this makes me very happy. I've I've seen the designs. She looks fantastic. She does look fantastic. Uh, it it, it get, I know you haven't read read, read the, the run, but Jenica's character has got has had a lot of complaints. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, "Why are we? Why do we keep following Jenny? Why do we keep? She's boring. She's boring." Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, I we don't know how permanent this is. We assume it's permanent, permanent because all mutations have been so far in the mm-hmm. series. Uh, so it's it's kind of exciting. Yeah, especially with the run up to issue one hundred. So mm-hmm. yeah, that should be a that should be a big issue. Yes, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about the past. Uh, the first book in our in our Mirage run today is the Michelangelo one issue micro series. So, as you know, the, the last time we talked about these comics, it was kind of a big not not a big cliffhanger, but they they came to the natural end of an arc mm-hmm. with issue seven. So they didn't really leave any plot lines dangling going forward. The Michelangelo one shot is a Christmas story. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being completely honest, it's boring. It, it is. It's very boring. It, 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 it almost feels like a book that, they weren't sure what where to go next, so they were like, "Let's do a, a one shot like we did that Raphael book." Yeah, let's let's take a break. Let's have some what we what we uh, in the I won't say the anime. Usually, when you go you know through a lot of episodes of an anime, say there's like two three hundred episodes. There's a lot of filler. Yeah, this feels like a filler. Yeah, very much so. Issue. Very much so. Uh, Michelangelo. The, probably the mo- the most important thing that came out of this issue was Clunk. Yeah. Clunk the cat. Um, other than that, it, we really didn't get anything that la- anything lasting out of the book at all. Mm. Uh, Michelangelo f- basically foils a, a robbery of what is essentially a Turbo Man. If you get the reference, it's Turbo Time. Uh, yeah. Uh, and there, there's there's a lot of snow, which that that bugged me. Not that snow doesn't bug me, but it doesn't add anything to the page. Yeah, it looks it kind of makes my eyes hurt. Yes, yes, it, it makes it harder to read. Which I guess if you're going for realism, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but 
Chet makes another appearance. He's back. Chet's back, baby. And all of his other failed attempts at doing other things. Now he's in the toy business. He's in the to- Chet is in the toy business. Yeah. Uh, he's there. There's a truck that's labeled Chet's Chet's Toys, and there's a, a store named Chet's Toys. Chet's Toys. Yeah. So when you go into when Mikey goes into Chet's Toys, you can see on the shelf there's a bunch of masks. Uh huh. And one is the Fugitoid. Yes. One is... A Triceraton. No, that's Etrican. Etrican. We talked about Etrican before. It was like oh, the yeah. demon Etrican, which is Jack Kirby's like creation and like one of Laird's favorite uh, right. characters. Etrican? Then you, got Storm, oh, okay. then you got the Stormtrooper helmet, which... That's, oh, yeah. that's, that's a lawsuit. Um, no, it's, 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 it's enough different. Yeah. It's different enough. Yeah. Not sure what the thing is below... The uh, it, helmet. it looks, looks like a, familiar, but I don't know what it is. Mighty man or something. I don't know. Oh, on the on the opposite page, uh, you can see in the window a box that says Gizmo Sprocket and Fluffy. Uh-huh. Gizmo was a short-lived Michael Dooney comic pub published by Mirage. Oh wow! I own all of them. They're great. Oh wow! They're there and 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 uh. What's his name? Fluffy was oh, yeah, Gizmo's yeah, yeah. pal. Well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, it's. You remember when we talked about number three, and I was like, "Why do we have this car chase?" Yeah. A lot of this book feels exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Like, I, there's even a car chase. Somehow, we got a, a turtle driving again. Again. Yeah, driving away from like cops again. It's like Die Hard, but with Michelangelo. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, it's like Pizza Pie Hard. Ha ha! Uh. Don't laugh at that. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> so he has to, uh, at the end, of course, he has to go back and get his brothers to help get all of the, 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 the stolen toys to, what was it, a homeless shelter? Something or like that. Some or, kind uh, of, um, yeah. Yeah. No. Um... Kids' home, yeah, like a, like a like a like an orphanage, orphanage, yeah, yeah. So, okay, let's let's talk about that. What? He stole the stolen toys, yeah, and rather than returning them, like a hero would do, he gave them to an orphanage. Yeah, because if he had given them back, the police would have impounded him for evidence. But he's. Still, it's still it's still theft. Yeah, like, but the kids wouldn't have had their Christmas. Who cares? It's theft. <laughs> Think of the children, Sergio. The children. How many felonies are these turtles going to commit? All of them, because they're ninjas. They don't. They're above the law. They're not. Like I, it, 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 I'm not saying it didn't make sense in the story. It's it just, it's odd. It's odd to me. Yeah. Because what what about Chet? Who's paying Chet back for all the, the lost merchandise? Well, he's probably going to go out of the toy business after this, <laughs> because that was that was that was uh, that was the big seller for that the was, year. It's quite the Christmas load. <laughs> Little orphan alien dolls. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move on to issue eight. Okay, bye, Chet. Bye, bye, Chet. Uh, this time we have a crossover. Which is interesting. Like they're only effectively ten issues into this this comic book, and 
they already have a crossover with one of the, the biggest indie titles at the t- at the time, which mm-hmm. is a Cerebus, mm-hmm. I believe is how you pronounce it. I've never heard it said out loud. That sounds about right. Cerebus. Yeah. It's a little like a dumpy little aardvark. Yeah. Uh, and it not only is this a crossover where we meet Cerebus uh, through like a time traveling timestress who is able to go you know from dimension to dimension and from time to time we're introduced to like huge huge characters and huge mm-hmm. story elements mm-hmm. in this this issue which doesn't happen in crossovers right typically when you write a crossover you write it in a way that it easily is removed from continuity and you're not losing anything mm-hmm. if you remove this like if if for some reason who was it uh, Dave Sim. Like if Dave Sim was like, nah, you can't print that mm-hmm. or nah, you got to pay me a lot of money or whatever. You're kind of screwed because this is the, the, the issue where Renette and Lord simultaneous and uh, what's the little goblin guy's name? Savanti Romero. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, the issue that all three of them are introduced. Their entire storyline is, is kind of couched in this issue. Mm hmm. Uh, which, might I say, I really like mm-hmm. that whole her being an apprentice to a to, to like the Time Lord and yeah. being like really goofy and really dumb and airheaded. Like I really like it a lot. Like he pulled her from like eighties California. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Just total uh, total Valley Girl. Yeah. Uh, and she's always played like that. Like. Typically, across multiple versions of her, she's always played as kind of, kind of, kind of airhead, ditzy, ditzy, ditzy. Yeah. yeah, ditzy. I guess would be the right word. Um, well, I see. Like around the time this came out, like I definitely, I, I feel like so. There's a movie called Time Bandits. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. How did you find a way to talk about Time Bandits? I always find a way to talk about Time Bandits. Um, so they steal a map from the Supreme Being which is this giant glowing head and mm-hmm. he's after them. So I see elements of that. Oh in yeah. This when she takes the time scepter. Lord simultaneous. Yeah. Is, yeah. 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 And, um, just no matter where she goes, he's going to find her. Same mm-hmm. thing for time bandits. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy, crazy movie, but a lot of fun. Re- when I read back through this, I was surprised at how much I forgot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've said that before with other issues, but mm-hmm. this one was real bad. Like I completely forgot that there was an army that they had to convince to help fight Savanti Romero. Yeah. Um, I forgot that um, Lord Simultaneous had his own powers outside of the scepter. Oh, I, I forgot how paper thin the plot was because like it doesn't take much to completely break this. Like she steals the the time scepter and accidentally visits the turtles in new york yeah like how yeah which okay you, you, i'm on board that's fine but somehow they end up where savante ramiro is he steals the time scepter that's where your story ends that's where it should at least mm-hmm. logically speaking because if you're savante ramiro you disappear Right. And like, you never come back. Yeah, I'm going to the future. Yeah. Like, Let's see if they got them flying cars yet. 
It, it, I'm going to go invade Area 51. You don't ever 51. come back. Like, why would you come back? Yeah. You have exactly what you want. You can do any, literally anything that you possibly can do. And he's just going to hang around? I don't... Yeah. I, that doesn't hold much water for me. Uh, and that's and that comes from someone who likes this book. Right. Um, you did see there were some like changes in... Well, not changes in personalities, but you get to see... Mike kind of goofing more mm-hmm. on Raph, and then Raph just gives it back to him like tenfold. Oh yeah, Which, yeah. There were so there were some good character moments in this. Yeah, like especially when spe- speaking so like Cerebus, it almost makes me want to read some of his comics because he's mm-hmm. so blunt. Yeah, and, and he speaks in the third person all the time. And his when you see him in the panels. It looks like something on a Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like it's distinctively different. Yeah, that's a um, really good pull. Good pull, thank Jeff. You. Thank yeah. you. It's like one of my favorite movies too. So, um, he looks very like. I think the was it the original creator that did the art. Uh I don't know if he did any of the art. He might have. It like, looks like he did. That or they they did a really good job of of. Distinguishing him. So let's see. Story and art by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, Dave Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. So it looks like he did do some of the art on it, which, hey, that's even better. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, the Time Scepter famously shows up in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a weird connection that yeah. I don't think a lot of people make. Mm-mm. Like, when people think of the third movie, they don't think, oh, that Time Scepter is from the comics. Mm-hmm. They just think this is a reason to get them back in, you know, ancient ancient Japan. Yeah, but no, it's it's kind of tied to the comics, which is cool, right? Like I, when I had seen the episode in two K three, because I had I hadn't read a lot of these comics at the time. I was like, ooh, holy crap! Because I I think I just watched three a little bit before. <laughs> and I was like, that's really cool. Yeah, it's it's it's. I, I like anytime they they do time scepter stuff. I, I like it a lot. Oh, most definitely. Uh, I wish we could get some more video game stuff with. Uh, oh yeah, that's not those, gonna happen. Some of those arcs not gonna happen. Not with that attitude. Not gonna happen. Uh, let's see. Oh, oh yeah, Savanti Romero raised the dead. So the turtles fought zombies, zombie skeletons. Either. I'm probably I'm pretty sure it's probably like a Ray Harryhausen thing. What, what what Ray Harryhausen like the father of like stop motion? Uh, okay, yeah, so you know, uh, okay. the skeleton warriors from like the old uh, like you Jason know. and the Argonauts. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I love that stuff. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, let's see. End of the book. We find out Lord Simultaneous is this short guy wearing like a a, a, like a onesie. No, he's not wearing a onesie. His hat is reminiscent reminiscent of like. Um, Oh, what's the name of that character? Galactus. He's wearing a Galactus hat. Oh, okay. I was getting confused with um, Cervantes Romero. Oh no, no, he's like a like a goblin looking. He thing. he looks like a a mini Jack Kirby. Is exactly what he looks. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, like everything works out in the end as you would expect. Um, but I do want to talk about this. Not necessarily this book. But I want to talk about the implications of this book. Before we get to that, okay, we have another nugget. Oh, a nugget! Chet is back, and Chet this is time, back in the past. 
Are you are you kidding? No. Did I miss a Chet? Yes, you did. He has a tavern. Chet's tavern. Chet's tavern. Yeah, the Time Scepter comes back not only in comics but in both the Two K Three series and the. Uh, do they, the, the we Nick, meet Renette in the? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I see. I, I'm so behind. Yeah, the Nick series has has not the same arc, but but they touch a lot of the same bases. Did they take away her cleavage? <laughs> I believe so. <sighs> well, no, I think there's still some. Yeah. But it's not as overt. Right. Okay, so let's talk about the implications of this this issue. So we, I, I touched on at the beginning, like if Dave Sim wanted to pull the plug and just say. I don't want you to ever print this again. He's well within his rights because he owns not only the art that he did, but also the character of Cerebus. Right. Around 2009, I believe, the year. Was it? Was it 09? No. 2006. Ooh. 2006. There were some rights issues with reprinting, like, basically the trade that you're looking at. Okay. In Spain. So to get around the rights issues and the, the rights issues were specifically with Cerebus. The, the team at Mirage wrote a replacement book and it's not like, Oh, let's write the same story. Just remove Cerebus. They wrote a completely different story. Oh, wow. That involves Renette coming to visit the turtles like, like a year before the events of eight and she's referencing the events in eight as if they are to come later. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and she's all smart, and she's savvy, and she knows what she's doing. So she, they play it up as if she's been a timestress for a long time. And like I like, it, I like that. Yeah, like it was it was a legit book. Like they were they were going to publish the book. Like if you, you're looking at it now, it's it's uh, is that art that's uh, Jim Lawson, I believe, mm-hmm. doing the art in it. And it never got published because the publishing issue that they had disappeared, and they were able to reprint it with Cerebus. In, in in this alternate version that has since been printed by a third party, mm-hmm. Renette, apparently, was, her and Savante Romero were like, they were love interests in the past, and so he keeps bringing up all of these things. Oh, yeah, because he got turned into some kind of weird, like, goat thing. Yeah, He's yeah. like a human guy before. He was a human guy, and he got turned into a goat guy, and by the end of it, the good guys win, of course. Of course. And we're able to roll past issue eight without bringing up Cerebus. But most importantly, Renette is stripped of her intelligence. Oh. Thus explaining why she's a ditz okay. in issue eight, which is all cool. So, so they wrote a story that not only can replace eight, but can also supplement as an additional book. And it was reprinted by... Uh, a dude named, let's see, Arseny Dubikov mm. and Dmitry Bobrovnik. They've done a lot of work, at least Arseny. I know he's done a lot of work on other fan books. Like him and a, another guy finished the volume three, like the, the, the image run. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they wrote a fan finish, like ending to it, which was kind of kind of cool. They also did a book that we're going to talk about next week or next time. Uh, TMNT Odyssey, but we'll get to that then. Right. Uh, it's a, they're, they're a cool little team that somehow got all of these panels from Jim Lawson, which is awesome. I figured, I figured like we're never going to have a better time to talk about that, that replacement book mm-hmm. than right now. So yeah, why not do yeah, it? That makes sense. Uh, let's, let's talk about the Donatello one shot, which 
Uh, no, this is this one is one of my more favorite, ones, yeah. like just just one shot comics. Uh, basically, Donatello is ordered to go fix the water heater mm-hmm. uh, in April's basement. You notice how in the shower curtain they all like shurikens? They're supposed to be flowers, but I see shurikens. <laughs> Some really dull shurikens. Yeah. So yeah, so Donatello goes downstairs. I mean, it jumps right into it. It doesn't really bury the lead here. He jumps downstairs, or he walks downstairs in the apartment building, and out pops a monster. A monster. Which, which looking looking at it, it kind of looks like the pizza monsters from uh, the original television show. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. A little With bit. wings. With wings. Uh, and the name of the story is Donatello in Kirby and the Warp Crystal. And, the, of course, the name Kirby is an obvious reference to Jack Kirby. Of course. Uh, it's not even thinly veiled. No. He's even got his hairy arms, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he heads on downstairs to see... What, it, the, the monster flies downstairs, and he follows it, and blah, 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 blah. He chases it, comes to this dude at a desk who's just drawing with a pencil. Everything he's drawing with a pencil is coming to life. Mm-hmm. The pencil has a crystal tied to it. Now... While all of that is cool, uh oh, here we go. All like the whimsy from this, the whimsy in this issue is is almost pure. Mm-hmm. But if you find a rock on the ground, what mindset gets you to tape it to a pencil? I I, I can't think of any. I, I I like I cannot think of a series of situations that would tell me. You need to tie this rock to a pencil. Not a complaint. Right. Just an observation. Uh, But everything he draws comes to life off of the paper and then disappears. You know, it'll fly around the room or jump around the room or hop around the room. (laughs) And it disappears. Him uh, Him and Donatello have a nice little interaction. Yeah. Donatello draws a stick man. The stick man jumps off the page. Mm hmm. But yeah, everything that he draws comes to life, the, and they always disappear, except for this one thing that he drew. He drew a portal, which is my other grief, my other thing. Why are you just drawing a portal? Yeah. Why not? But, but why? I don't know. Like, you didn't draw anything coming out of it. You didn't draw it, anything going into it. It looks like the portal later on in uh, the... Was it the Donatello's portable portal from the cartoon. Yes. Yeah. The transmat device or whatever. Yeah. No. Portal gun. No, it was a portable portal. I think. Okay. Yeah. It, but it does. It, it it has this the same sci-fi feel. Yeah. That 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 portal had. Uh. Of course, because it's a portal, you got to step through it. Oh, you got to. So Donnie and Kirby both jump through the portal. And what do they find on the other side? All of the things that Kirby had been drawing. They were like, all of the monsters he drew, he drew were fighting with the natives. Because why not? Because there's natives inside of his portal. There's a lot of, there's a lot of metaphors happening here where, that, that tie directly back to Jack Kirby. Yeah. You know, everything Kirby drew, you know, just jumped off the page. It did. You know, it and, did. And, and, and while that is true, this is quite literal. Mm-hmm. Like almost, almost too literal. Uh, but the power of Kirby's pen- pencil eventually wins out, and and they're able to defeat all of his monsters. 
just flipping through it. There's a lot of really good art in this one. There really is. There's a lot of really good art in this one. A lot. I think, didn't Layer do a lot of the art in this one, too? Um, no, this is 50-50, I think. They okay. both, yeah, they both did this one. Which another, um, I think, like like Mikey, uh, you know, both of those, well, all all four one-shots were turned into episodes in 2K3. That's right. Like, the Dunhello one pretty much page for page. Yeah, yeah it's a very, very, uh, it, it, it definitely sticks to the, uh, the story. And, of course, the very last shot is of Donatello mm-hmm. holding a drawing of himself. And the power glove. With the power glove thing on, which came out before the power glove. Like, this is some Inception stuff right here. Like, oh, yeah. if you draw a picture of Donatello, do you now have a spare Donatello? Ooh. Maybe. So is, is there, like, a Donatello in, in, in their land now? Ooh. I'm just saying. Uh, just saying. Maybe. Could be a loose thread. Could be. Moving on. Here's a one here's one that I actively dislike. It's kind of weird. Issue number nine. Uh it's entitled The Passing. Uh also by Eastman and Laird. Um there's a lot of like Japanese stuff in it. Mm-hmm. A, a it's really hard to explain. An American Japanese guy wakes up with like a nightmare and or is it a Japanese American? Japanese American Japanese guy? Yeah. <laughs> What's the difference? Oh, he's <laughs> Japanese and he's American. He's an American Japanese guy. Yeah. This is but this is the first time we see Splinter go into the astral plane. Oh wait. Chet's back. Chet's back? Again? What is it's this is just Chet's. I think Chet's is probably like Cheers. This time he's going into the restaurant business. Maybe. That's oh man. Yep. Chats. I can't believe I almost missed that. I'm glad you didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As I was saying, <laughs> this is the first time Splinter has gone to the astral plane in comics. <laughs> he meets a guy on the astral plane who's dying, who lives in Japan, and is looking for someone to. He's looking for a body to inhabit. Picked him up on dish. Uh, yeah, <laughs> looking for someone's body to inhabit to convince his what is his grandson? Ooh, get my body! Gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is such a weird issue, man. And that guy's got to. So, so the rest, basically, the rest of the issue, Splinter isn't Splinter. He's actually this old Asian guy, mm-hmm. and he's convincing the turtles to intervene with. Japanese businessmen in America. And it's, and like the setting of this is before the turtles, like this is an old story. It was, it's set before the, ish, the events of issue one. And we have new masks. No, old masks, old masks. Yeah. Because it's set before the, before issue. Oh one. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't get it, man. There's shuriken in it. Yes. Oh, is there a plenty? Yeah. And of course, dude's father is murdered and he has to take over everything and Splinter then is all like, "Oh, I'm actually an old Japanese guy." Uh yeah. I there's some great fight sequences uh or panels. Yeah. My favorite is probably when the uh, ninja gets the uh, shuriken to the head. Yep. That's a that's a beautiful. Yeah. It's it's just a, it's a story that 
there's very little reason for it to be a Ninja Turtle story. Yeah. But the turtles just seem to be in the background happening. So, unless you have something else to say, got any more notes about Chet, I want to um, talk about a much more consequential I, issue. I don't think Chet shows up anymore, you know. All right, let's move on to Leonardo. So, this is probably going to shock you. Mm-hmm. This might be my favorite one shot. Really? Yeah. Why? Because I watched that episode of 2K3 so much. And, like, it just. There's just something about just the cityscape and him on the run. Yeah. From yeah. the Foot Ninja. And it's just. These these action panels are just gorgeous. Um, yeah, like I'm I'm not I'm not saying that I dislike it. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's less a one shot than the other three are. Right, it feels more connected. It's way more connected. Yeah, you know, we open up to a beautiful aerial shot of him on the roof. Yeah, in the snow. You know, of course, different from two K three where there it's raining, which. I would have liked snow better. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. And n- notice the snow in this one isn't clouding, cloudying the entire It is not, panel. because it is stop snowing. It for is the, stop snowing. For the time being. Yeah. I, I, what, what I... Uh, okay. Let's, I want to talk about the elephant in the room here. Okay. The art. It's almost like they purposely made the top of the page beautiful and the bottom of the page bland. Because yeah. the, the the story follows Leonardo in the top section of the pages as he battles what seeming what, what seems to be an endless number of foot foot soldiers. They Below, spared no expense. Yeah, no expense. The, it, the the very bottom panel of every single page, which is only maybe what two inches tall, mm-hmm. is is following the April the April the the other turtles and April as they get a Christmas tree and trim it. And there's like no shading. And there is exactly, there is zero shading in the bottom panel. That kind of annoys me. I, I, and I don't understand it. Like they're clearly making some sort of artistic statement Mm -hmm. by not shading the bottom panel at all. It just isn't clear what it is or why. Yeah, I can, um, I can get in on that. I guess it's maybe just something that irritates you. I maybe, Maybe. Like, it almost looks like it's drawn by someone else, which is very possible. Mm-hmm. At, th- at this point in the Mirage run, they, were, they, they had people who worked for them. So it's, it's, it's very possible that someone else might have drawn that bottom panel. Yeah, Dooney, Lawson, or like Brown, uh, Levine. Levine. One of them. But you're absolutely right. Like the, the, like, the art in the top section is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... it's, it's Mirage action sequence at its best. Yeah. And it's been... This section has been adapted a a couple of times in different ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the movie, it was adapted as Raphael instead of Leonardo. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was adapted more directly in the 2K3 Mm -hmm. series. And it's always just one long fight. Yeah. One really long fight, like so much so that the turtle is completely overwhelmed and just basically beaten to death. Yeah, he just doesn't die. And and this that's how this book is written. 
you know. Uh, in the bottom panel, you have the, the, the other three turtles almost living a domestic life. You know, they're bringing a, a tree up, upstairs, trimming it, putting, uh, like, cooking, uh, decorating it. You even see that Mikey has his own room at April's apartment. Like, yeah, Clunk is there. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're living a typical New York life. All while their brother is getting savagely beaten right outside their window. Yeah. The, uh, the panel in the top, it's not the same page as you, but right there. This panel right here. Leo is soaked with basically melting snow, and he is and, angry. And, and he probably is blood. And probably blood. Yeah. And then right below it is just a panel of foot soldiers like, come at me, bro. Pretty much. Yeah. It's, it's just wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. I guess that's why seeing the bottom panel be so lazily thrown together, you know, hard to look at. Yeah. Uh, this is the return of the Shredder. Oh, yeah. Well, quote unquote, the Shredder. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we'll get to next time we talk about these. Leonardo jumps through the window of April's apartment to end the issue, basically saying the Shredder is back. Mm-hmm. With a fantastic splash page. A beautiful splash page. Yeah, with him dying on the floor and everybody going like, what? To be continued. To be continued. As I said, it's it's a good one-shot, but it's not a good one-shot. Yeah. Like, it's a good... If I This should have been issue 10. Yeah. Again, you know? Yeah. And then Leonardo get given his own story because... Of him, like, him recovering and maybe... Because they did that in the show... Yeah. Yeah, but he didn't swing through. He was thrown through. Yeah. Um the window. Um But yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, we have two more to go. Uh let's talk about number 10. 10 is a, a basically the the sequel, the the very next thing. Like it's literally it's it starts off from the foot coming through April's apartment windows. After Leonardo jumps through. And it immediately goes into quite the action sequence. Oh, yeah. Another big, beautiful kind of splash page you know, at yeah. the bottom. Uh, and this also was adapted in, in the movie very closely. Mm-hmm. Um, almost beat for beat. Except this time, Splinter is not there. He'd been kidnapped. Did he get kidnapped? He got kidnapped before this, right? Yeah, in the movie, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 you're right. Because that's why Raphael was out sulking, because Splinter was missing. Yeah. Uh, in 2K3, he was there. Yeah. Having to carry their injured brother everywhere. They Like, just to move through the building, they have to carry Leonardo. And that worked so well in the show, too. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, can't go this way. Oh, let's go this way. Oh, yep. <laughs> you know. And, like, the build-up to the big fold-out page. Do you, uh, do, I, I, both of us are reading this in a trade, but mm-hmm. do you remember the fold-out page in the original book? I might have it somewhere. It's beautiful. Yeah. The fold-out page down in uh, 
second time around. Yeah, I think I've got it somewhere. Yeah, where Shredder is there. There's a whole bunch of foot foot ninjas there. The turtles are there. Like it's it's quite a drawing, and the, and they don't do the fold out page in these, these trades. No. It's just kind of cropped. That's kind of a shame. But you kind of you kind of have to. Yeah. Like it, the production cost is probably prohibitive. Mm-hmm. And here's where we see Casey Jones again. Yeah. Casey Jones pops his head in, uh, and he's there to help defend. His buddies in green, mm-hmm. the Ninja Turtles, and we've only the only other time we had met him prior to this was the Raphael one shot. So yeah, again, he that's that's exactly how it plays out in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Except Shredder's not there; it's Tatsu. That's right. Yep. Then there's is this the first utterance of Gungala? I believe so. I think it is. Yeah. Like, nay, word does not make any sense. Do we know where that word came from? Uh, uh, Spain? (laughs) No, that's not a Spanish word, Jeff. (laughs) Gungula. I do not know. Maybe it's a New Jersey thing? Yeah, maybe it is. I don't know. Just a lot of really good action in this book. A lot. Yeah, it's just beautiful. And Casey kicking the Shredder's butt, just yeah. like, what? Now, again, it's the Shredder, but it ain't the Shredder. Right. So it would make sense for somebody to be able to take on the Shredder one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we close out the issue with second time around burning. Just on fire. Um, there's a lot of really good shots of, of April. Well, not even a lot of really good. Yeah, yeah. Multiple shots of April mourning the loss of her, her home and her business. Yeah. And basically her entire past. Very, just, just, just wonderful. Uh, we're treated to an epilogue at the end explaining where the turtles go following the, the events of the, of, of the book. Mm-hmm. And they're driving to Northampton, Northampton. But they're not doing it in like a van. Mm-hmm. They're doing it in an old like 57 Chevy. Yeah. That's pulling a U-Haul trailer. With the turtles in it. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. That sucks bad. <laughs> there's no AC back there. No, there's not. Uh, but I but guess it, they're used to living in the sewer, so. Yeah, and it's, you know, wintertime, so they're probably bundled up with blankets and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, book 10 is quite a book. It is. It is. A, it's a turning point in the turtles' overall narrative. Mm-hmm. It's a turning point. In the franchise, it is it's a cornerstone. Like I would I would equate this story to Uncle Ben dying. Okay. Like that's how important Leonardo eleven or Leonardo ten and eleven mm-hmm. are as important to the turtles overall lore mm-hmm. as Uncle Ben dying is to Spider Man. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, because the, 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 a lot of growth comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next, I love this next one. Mm-hmm. As as good as those last two were, and as and as important as those last two were, true stories, which is basically April's journal entries mm-hmm. from a you know a portion of their time in Northampton. Uh, it's 
it's a great way to almost wind down after two action-packed issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of exposition, in it, a lot, a lot of exposition in it, a lot of like character development, and uh, like us finally getting an understanding of who these turtles are because mm-hmm. they've hinted at everything. They, you know, Donatello, yeah, he's a smart one. Michelangelo, he's the fun one. Leonardo's the leader. Raphael's the angry one. But what what happens with these characters when they're un- under stress? Yeah, who do they become? And this this issue alone teaches a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And we get more April. Yes, yes. Something that we haven't had that met, that, that we haven't had too terribly much of mm-hmm. so far. Uh, it opens with a really sweet sequence of April dreaming about the Shredder. Yeah. Very frightening sequence. Very frightening. And it explains that, uh, let's see, this is Casey's grandmother's... Casey's dead grandmother's house. Yeah. And the house has been vacant for five years mm-hmm. and needs a lot of work. April takes time to write about each character. Mm-hmm. Like what... Raph is going through what Leo's going through with his recovery, um, her opinion of Casey Jones, mm-hmm. and how how does she describe him? Like, let's say I've known some odd characters in my time living in Brooklyn, uh, living in Brooklyn most of my life, but the likes of Casey Bernard Jones is beyond compare. I believe that in Casey's mind, there's a petulant, mischievous 10-year-old waging constant war with a somewhat mature, bright young man. <laughs> Unfortunately, the 10-year-old wins far too often. Such a grand, grand way to explain who Casey Jones is. Exactly. Like, the only other, th- the only other addendum I would add is he's viciously loyal. Oh, yeah. You know? But other than that, that's Casey Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they work on, they work on the car, they work on the the house there's the, the, they work on the 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 windmill the windmill like you see all of this in the movie like yeah yeah like the the only real chief there's two chief differences like uh, yeah well the snow eh, yeah, there's no snow there's no snow but yeah you're, it's obvious it's like fall in the movie yeah uh in the movie there's no splinter no because he, that's he's the reason they're out there cuz he's missing Leo's not hunting. Leo's not hunting, and Leo's not the one that's injured. And in the movie, Raphael was knocked out for quite some time. Mm-hmm. In the book, Leonardo was not. He he immediately went into a recovery. Also, April had a near-death experience in the book mm-hmm. where she fell through some ice and had to be saved by Leonardo, which I guess was like a therapeutic thing for Leonardo, being able to save someone. Yeah. So like it's 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 without a doubt the deepest issue they've done yeah to date, and like with the when you have the spotlights on the turtles like Mikey punching the punching bag, you know that was in the movie but not to the extent of him punching through the side of the, yeah, the barn yeah. yeah that would have been interesting to have seen uh, yeah you don't want to introduce that to that character though yeah especially when he when he has a job his job is to bring the laughs. Yeah, but I would have liked to have seen that. That would have been interesting. Yeah. And then Raph being on the roof of the barn. Mm-hmm. As like a watchman. Yeah. It, like her last journal entry uh, is one of positivity. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, I used to do these. 
Mm-hmm. I can't believe it's been this long since I wrote. You know, I, I immediately, I initially wrote it to try to come to terms with you know the the, the loss that I've had, uh, and even the turtles address the loss that she had uh, by saying the only reason her stuff burnt down is because she's dealing with us now, and we have to live with that. Yeah, which is kind of that's kind of a big deal. Is is them understanding the 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 in the impact their the negative impact they're having on her on her life, and she right. still chooses to be there. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and the uh, the truck repair scene is like key for key. Yeah, the only thing like, the only thing that's the not movie. in the book is yeah. they're not going alphabetical in the book. Yeah, which it's I'm gr- glad they added it to the movie, but it's a bummer that that wasn't lifted directly out of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And the, the, like, if we break down this entire run, like everything we just talked about. Yeah. I feel like the turtles are at their best when they have an arc. Mm -hmm. The forgettable stories in this run are Michelangelo, Cerebus, the Cerebus story, and number nine. Yeah. You know, Donatello's only stands out because it's so good and so inventive. Mm -hmm. And the other three are extremely solid because they feed into the greater narrative. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion though. Yeah, no, I, I can get on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, 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 the IDW, <laughs> IDW reprinted. Let me just say that again. IDW basically reprinted everything they could get the rights to. Mm-hmm. And because there were so many guest artists and guest writers during the first run of the turtles. Mm-hmm. Some of those books just kind of got lost. They, they, they not lost like they don't exist, but the people who hold the rights to them will not sign the paper to get them printed. Ooh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, so IDW took the, anything that Peter Laird and Eastman had, and Kevin Eastman had their hands on, whether it be art or story we're going to we're going to consider that like mainline canon. Mm-hmm. And that's basically all we've read so far. We yeah. haven't had to skip any issues. Yeah. Next time we talk about the Mirage run, we're going to skip some stuff. Okay. We're going to we're going to go by the established mainline canon so we can get through it. Okay. We are going to go back and talk about those weird one-off things. So, was it turtle soup? Uh, well, no, that was that that was a we can talk about those too, yeah. but yeah, those those were even weird. That's even farther off the beaten path. Yeah. Um. But the best of the Ninja Turtles lies within the mainline canon stuff, mm-hmm. and I, I wish there was a way to just say read one through thirty seven. No, it's like right one through eleven, then fourteen through twenty two, and then. It's then it doesn't pick back up until like forty seven. Like it's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, but we'll cover more of that next time we talk about uh, the Mirage uh, run. W- what are your thoughts on this this pile of, of 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 comics? So not having read them for quite some time, like mm-hmm. I probably read these about maybe I don't know how many years ago. It's a big chunk. Um, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, just getting back into. Uh, all of it and seeing, you know, 
like, okay, they use this for the movie. They did, you know, that. And so I'm seeing all those little pieces that were just beautifully crafted and, and pulled together to make, you know, to see how faithful that movie adaptation was. Yeah. And I was like, wow. I was like, we'll never see that again. Yeah. It's, it's, think, it, it's, it's a weird situation where it's faithful, but it's not right. Like, it is so heavily influenced by the comics that mm-hmm. the connective tissue is visible, mm-hmm. but it doesn't direct where the movie goes. Right. Which is really cool. Yeah. And then you get into 2K3, and it was like, okay, well, there's these pieces here, and like we move this around. I'm like, okay. But it seemed, it seemed more, you know, um, going, you know, on arcs and stuff like that. You didn't yeah. Get the, you didn't get the Mikey one shot till way later. Right, 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 right. So, and, and, and that's a byproduct of having to produce a television show, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's the beauty of the medium is comics can do one thing, mm-hmm. but a lot of the times you can't do that exact thing in any other form. Right. You, you can't just take a comic and make it into a TV show. Like you have to make some sort of concessions mm-hmm. story wise. I wish there was more Renette. I do too. We're going to talk about Tales a little later. Yeah. Uh, and I think maybe 10-ish, 10 episodes from now, we'll talk about Tales, and there's a good Renette story in there. Yeah. But they do not touch on the Timestress stuff nearly enough in the original oh, run. That's a shame. Yeah. She's a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, do we want to talk? <laughs> we're, we're very far away from talking about ish, uh, Volume 4. Mm. Do we want to talk about the implication of uh, Donatello's one-shot and April O'Neil? We can. Do you, do you recall, like, the... I, I don't. <laughs> okay, okay. So somewhere in the, in the Volume 4 run, we learned that April O'Neil is is uh barren she can't have kids oh oh i didn't did not expect that and the reason she's barren is because she's not a freaking human what yeah april o'neill in the canonical mirage universe is a drawing made by the crystal in the donatello one shot how the what now yeah yeah, you don't remember this? No. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it. It's going to be a while before we talk about it. Oh again. my god! But fans were not happy. No, did they? <laughs> did they fix it? No, that's like that's a that's a Peter Laird like book. That's that's a Peter Laird de- decision. He wrote it into Volume Four. But but yeah, like the crystal is is what, and I, I think I, I think the reason she doesn't disappear like all the other things is that the item only stays as long as the creator loves it. He drew the child knowing the child would come to life, fearing it would disappear like everything else. Yeah. The child lived and grew up to be April O'Neil. That's crazy. I can't believe you didn't, you didn't know this. No. Well, I got, well, you have to understand, Sergio, I got a comics a long time ago. Yeah. Like I had not really, because there wasn't really a way to find a lot of these. Not especially not volume four. No. It was, it, that was a very limited run. Yeah. But. So in my defense, <laughs> it's because I just haven't, you know. And there's no collections of four either. Oh, so you, not yet. You, you got you got to read you got to read those books. Yeah. You know. Uh, but we'll get there. Oh, that's so it's weird. bonkers. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it. 
Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, what are we talking so. about next time? We're doing the we're doing the fan stuff. That's right. We're going to talk about three different fan uh, fan creations. Uh, one of them is a comic book. One of them is a video game, and one of them is a movie. I'm not going to go over what the names of all those things are. I think we're kind of running long. But tune in next time. We have we have some really cool cool pieces of fan fiction. I guess we'll, we'll call it. Yeah. Uh, in, in the next episode. And, and I, I think me and Jeff, we're going to really like talking about these. Yeah. Um, then after that, who knows where we go? We have, we're, we're really close to getting to the Nick cartoon. Jeff, where can we find you? As always, Sergio, you can find me at the warp zone arcade right down the street from the Kroger's and Crossgates, Brandon area. Um, we've been there for about nine years now. And, uh, you know, Arcade cabinets, 400-plus games. I'm always getting something unique and interesting. Um, we're really ramping up our tournament game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smash Brothers is becoming more and more popular with each passing week, so we are doing our best to facilitate that need for uh, the tournament scene, and we're just getting bigger and bigger. Um, and it's uh, it's really, really... a Fantastic time for a Nintendo fan. It really is. And, and Nintendo fans. is kind of on, on top of their game right now. Oh, so. yeah. And um, so we're ramping that up. And, um, you know, if you're if you're bored and you love video games, there's, you know, always something to you can find to do uh, at Warp Zone. Yes, there is. Very good. Uh, this just in, after our fanfic episode, mm. we're covering Ninja Turtles 3. Okay. I, I think we're going to disagree on Ninja Turtles three. Probably, probably, maybe. Um, but it's a mo- it's been a long time since I've watched the third movie, so it's been a really long time since I've watched it too. Yeah, I might be pleasantly um, surprised. Yeah, or or I might be disappointed. I remember being dropped off, and my parents went to see something else. I think <laughs> I don't remember what they went to see, but your parents were like, "I ain't watching that." Okay, well, you can find me on Reality Breached, uh, realitybreached.com. That's where we have all of our podcasts. That's where the Shellheads podcast lives. That's where the Reality Breached podcast lives. lives. Uh, we, we've got the Keanu Sans coming up Ooh. on that. Uh, we just covered Spider-Man Far From Home oh, yeah. uh, in, our, in our most recent episode. So, so that, that podcast is churning. Uh, we also just launched Dead Scene Kids mm. over there, which uh, I'm going to have those guys on the pod next week Ooh. Uh, i get to talk about music it's gonna be great awesome we also have the black pocket podcast and the unapologetic experience over there we got some podcasts over on realitybreach.com check it out we're also on itunes uh on spotify on stitcher on google play basically anywhere that you can find podcast disease castasies castaways uh that's that that does it for shellheads jeff all right sergio <laughs> no, I'm going to get it right. Uh, I'm Jeff. I'm Sergio. And we're Shellheads.
Don't miss an episode of the Shellheads podcast. Visit realitybreach.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you.